I'm Starla. I'm Mary. And I'm Jocelyn. And And we're we're the Snarky Boob Queens. This is our disclaimer. The Snarky Boob Queens podcast is for informational and or entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have breastfeeding difficulties or concerns about you or your child's health, please reach out to your healthcare provider or an IBCLC. All right, and we're back. It's been a little bit of a break with like the holiday craziness. Yeah, it has. It's been great. How was your holidays? It was busy but it wasn't it was chaotic because it was like i say this every year i should not have worked that whole week because i had all this stuff left to do and we were so insanely busy mm-hmm. so on my facebook feed yeah. i'm looking back for the memories page and every year baby palooza baby palooza it's like the whole week so mm-hmm. bethlehem started it there's no rooms in the end everybody was pregnant i don't know but everybody's had their baby last week so were you rage rapping I heard that phrase this year. That was very appropriate. Oh, I was bag stuffing, girl. I mean, I think I wrapped one gift and then that was it. My secret Santa at work, and then that was it. Bag and I ran out of tissue. I'm like, I don't care. I also <laughs> ran out of tissue. I taped it shut and was called it a day. <laughs> it's good enough. <laughs> Why were you rage wrapping? No, I just saw that on Facebook and I thought that is about the truth of it. You know, you're just like get this damn thing wrapped and I'm onto this one. <laughs> I got to get cooking. And then you have all these people coming by to bring in new trays of cookies. And we have this lovely family that moved in the neighborhood just behind us that we met over the summer. And they come caroling like the Von Trapps, like they're oh ages four to 19. Oh and they're just lovely and all dolled up. And she has this lovely thing of shortbread. And that night, I think I'm up till midnight going, where's the rest of the pretzels and the chocolate chips? <laughs> Making all the stuff. I aspire to be that, but that is not me at all. I, you go into the holiday season thinking you're going to do something like that. And then you get to Christmas Eve and go, well, oh well. Next year. <laughs> no, but it's funny. Like we, the kids had gone to bed and my kids are, you know, they're both in high school. So it's not the big production that it once was. But, you know, we still wait till they're in bed and pull everything mm-hmm. out. And I'm stuffing stockings. And my husband's on the couch with a video game. I said, are you going to help me? And he looks <laughs> at me and goes, you're in charge of this show. So I, you just need to tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like, you didn't say anything to me. So I'm just waiting for direction. <laughs> so I'm like, this over here, this over here. I need you to even out the... You know, once you tell him what to do, he's good. But otherwise, he was like, I'm not dealing with this because I don't want to mess it up. But Well, yeah. and then you've got, you know, the last minute. Did I get everybody all the things? Make sure, like, for kids that you divvied it up. And where did we put it? I'm yeah. still looking for the extra band for Tom's Apple Watch. I bought him. Oh, you'll find it, find it in April. I know. I do that all, every year. There's, like, two things. And I put everything I swear in the same spot. That's so funny. Well, you know what made me laugh so much? You posted, I think it was on Christmas Eve, about like the five types of people at Christmas. Who is yes! the guy that does that? Dad, dude, dude, dad. Do thing. Dude. Yeah. Oh, so oh, so the I guy went with the wig. Yeah. So he went into like the whole of his, all his YouTube videos, and there was one that yes. was like my wife at Christmas, and oh, yes. I was laughing. Okay. 
Dude, dad, I was laughing so hard and my husband was making fun of me because the mom is like at Target and she sees the little baby clothes and she's like, oh my God, my ovaries are aching right now. And literally the week before that was me like, and I don't want babies, but we passed the baby section with the little baby Christmas dresses and the little reindeer footsies. And I was like, please give me a baby right now. I don't really want a baby. I just want to dress up a little person. But so I thought that was funny. Yeah. If that comes over you again, call us, please. Oh, I know. I'm like, I had a moment of insanity. I was like, oh, I could do this again. And then I was like, no, maybe I'll have grandkids in 10 years instead. Yes. You know, yes. Then yeah. I'll dress them up and yeah. give them back. And yeah. no making bad choices. I won't yeah. have to deal with teenagers. Again. A good 10 years. A good, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'll have like a almost 27 year old in 10 oh, yeah. years. So that's doable. Like reasonable, maybe. <laughs> I know. Don't why do you say it like that, Mary? You're making me feel old. <laughs> I can't believe she would be that old. I know we're getting there. Wow, oh, all right. And Liam's gonna be 20 next month. Oh my goodness. My it's youngest tiny. is gonna be 20 years old. Wow. Scary. Oh, he's still my baby. I know. It goes by fast. You know what they say? Why? The days are long, but the years are short. So, right. so true. So the point of this whole rambling thing is we hope everyone has a nice holiday. Mm -hmm. That's right. There we go. All right, so this week in the news, I saw a really interesting article, and the title of it was Breastfeeding Results in Drastic Reduction of Pediatric Dental Disease. And so they did this study that shows that children were, who were exclusively breastfed for six months were less likely to have dental disease, according to data presented to the virtual American Public Health Association annual meeting and expo. I like that it was virtual. Nice. <laughs> um, so it said the results showed that children who were breastfed exclusively for six months were 28% less likely to have dental tooth decay, cavities, and toothaches than children who were never breastfed. The researchers also found that children of mothers with poor fair health were almost twice as likely to have poor oral health. And it says there seems to be a drastic difference in dental disease among children who are breastfed and those who are not. So I thought that was really cool. That's like another benefit of breastfeeding. That's cool. I wonder what it is. Like, what's the specific thing about breast milk? I mean, there's lots of them. But is it type of cell? Because we know there's all these awesome cells in breast milk that communicate to different parts of the body. Is it something that's protective, that shields teeth early on? Like, I, I mm -hmm. just, I like to know the why, and I wonder why that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got to do a deep, we need to do a deep dive. Yeah, we do. Well, I find it really interesting. Do you hear this a lot too from moms who have older babies and they're still breastfeeding at night and pediatricians are like, oh, oh. no, don't breastfeed at night. You're going to rot their teeth out. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I see it a lot on social media, especially mm -hmm. the group that we're in locally with La Leche League and moms are being, mm -hmm. you know, just by their, their pediatricians or their dentist, the pediatric dentist that it's breastfeeding's rotting your teeth. You got to quit or they'll tell them you got to quit early because that's going to happen. It's like assuming that's all yeah. going to happen. Right. But I mean, in my 15 years of working with moms, I have almost never seen a breastfed baby that had like, you know, I know I've seen baby bottle tooth decay oh, and when awful. I worked at WIC yes. all the time, but I've never seen that in a breastfeeding baby. No. And so that's really interesting that this article, <laughs> oh my gosh, Mary, are you okay? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, this article really backs that up, which I think is really cool. So yes. Awesome. So yeah, so if your pediatrician tells you that breastfeeding is going to rot your baby's teeth out if you are nursing at night, um, then just say, well, actually, there was an article that uh -huh. says they're 28% less likely. So that's right. Hey, here's uh, a question Yeah, related to that. Um, I had heard that 
the mother of a female baby has more calcium in her milk. Have you guys heard that? I've not heard specifically calcium, but I do know that I've heard that women make milk specific to the sex of the baby. Yes. And that if you breastfeed your daughter, and I don't know what the, the length of time is, you reduce her risk of breast cancer development mm. later on because you're, she's not eating anything inflammatory. So I wonder hmm, where all that fits in. Yeah. Interesting. I will have to do a deep dive on that also. That's going to uh, be your um, homework. I heard that at some conference and just cool. didn't know if you guys had heard it too, but that is so cool. It's so it? amazing. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like us. We go to these great, when we used to go to conferences and you'd yeah. write down like all the things <laughs> feverishly yes. and go, what did I mean by that? Later yeah. on when you go yeah. back and look at it. But once in a while, those little things stick in your brain. You know, those really cool things. Yes. And that stuck in mind. Breast milk is just amazing. Well, maybe that's why allegedly during pregnancy back in the day, you would lose a tooth for every child. <laughs> calcium all Wait, the baby and then during breast milk. I've never heard you, that. Oh, come on. No, never. no, never. Yes, a tooth you, for every baby. Oh my gosh. Poor Mrs. Duggar. They did she, have prenatal vitamins and Flintstones <laughs> and whatever. If you want a full set of chompers, don't have a bunch of babies. And then, so they're all toothless. They keep having kids. Oh, yeah, so what, ha that. what happens if you're toothless and you keep going? Then what? You just you hip break pressures. hips. <laughs> Great mind feeling. <laughs> That's funny. All right, guys. So today we are going to talk about breastfeeding myths um, that we hear all the time, or as Starla would like to say, stupid things that people will tell you about breastfeeding. <laughs> this is true. Sounds so, um, so we put a list together of the most common ones that we hear. Um, so one big one that I hear often is breastfeeding is supposed to hurt. And this one drives me crazy mm -hmm. because, you know, we get phone calls from moms, babies two weeks old, they're having issues with latch and they come in you know, and I've had moms who literally at two weeks postpartum are having bleeding nipples, severe pain. And, you know, I'll ask, when did it start? And they'll say, I don't know, day two. So they'd gone weeks with having mm -hmm. severe pain. And I'd be like, well, why haven't you, why didn't you call sooner? What have you been doing? And they're like, oh, I thought this was normal. I thought it was supposed to hurt. Oh. Like, do you find that often? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, all the time. And that they think that their nipples are going to, air quotes, Toughen, toughen up. up. Yeah. Or you're going to get used to it. So if you slam your finger in the car door, do you keep doing it over and over because you're going to get used to it and it's not going to hurt anymore? No. Right. So why does this myth, this, this is so pervasive. I remember when I was pregnant with my first in some book I read, it said to take a toothbrush, a yeah. clean toothbrush. And scrub your nipples with it yeah to get them ready and then they gave you this breast which i said i'm gonna take my chances i'm just gonna know i'm just gonna show up at the hospital and do it um or they would bring you this masse breast cream stuff that was like a nipple ointment well it had alcohol as like one of the first three ingredients Ooh. so i gave it to the nurse Ooh. and says can you send back to, to the pharmacy because no thanks yeah and it didn't i mean i had some tenderness with the second one but i don't remember any of that now we see moms who do and there's women that I'm surprised they've got their nipples left. Right, oh, I right, know. Right. Well, and I was one of those moms too. Uh, 
like literally it looked like someone took scissors and cut off the tips of my nipple like cracked open blisters and in my head i was like okay it'll surely this is fine (laughs) it comes with the territory it's part of it is you get your stitches in your bottom your nipples are falling off and then sooner or later it's all over and then it's fine right like and i just want to tell moms like if you are having severe pain when you are nursing if your nipples look like ground beef that is not okay. It is, that is not, it's not supposed to be like that. Mm-mm. Like you'd expect some normal tenderness in sure. the first two or three days, but anytime you have a crack or an open area or severe pain when you are nursing, that should be a red flag that you need help. Something is going not well with the latch. You definitely need to be evaluated. Yes. If the baby leaves a mark, <laughs> It might be, you might be having a latch problem. Uh-huh. Sure. And don't you think that if we had nurses and breastfeeding helpers in the hospital that would unswaddle the baby oh yeah, and have the mom hold the baby skin to skin and put the boppy back in the trunk of the car mm-hmm. and use our lovely laid back natural breastfeeding physicians, our little self attachments with mom reclining. Remember when we started doing that, our outpatient business tanked. Mm-hmm. And the only people that we really saw, because you did some data collection with that, mm-hmm. were the people whose babies had really like oral restrictions somehow, mm-hmm. like ties, or you had the giant nipple and the baby's little teeny mouth, or, <laughs> you know, there was like a mismatch somehow. But that, they just kept going on and on and on that they, they were supposed to be sore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's normal. That's fine. And then we send them home and then they're like, oh, this is supposed to be this way. And and even how long, like moms think, well, my nipples hurt because the baby nurses all the time. Yes. If your baby is latched correctly, even, I mean, you can breastfeed 12, 13 hours a day and not have sore nipples, yeah. mm-hmm. truly. Um, so that's one big thing I think that is so important is breastfeeding is not supposed to hurt normal tenderness the first few days is normal but if you have any cracks if your nipple does not look the same after the baby nurses if it's flat if it looks like a lipstick if you're having severe pain at latch um that's a indication that you need to get assistance so um no it's not supposed to hurt so one of our next myths that we want to discuss is that you have to avoid spicy foods, broccoli, cabbage, onions, the list goes on and on and on when you're breastfeeding. So I think this is interesting because we're the only culture, it seems like, and in Westerners and in general, I think way overthink breastfeeding because there's, there's alternatives to breastfeeding in the Western culture, right? There's not in third world countries. They don't have grocery stores with shelves and shelves of formula and, and walls of nipples at the grocery store and all this. So it's almost like it's meant to make breastfeeding complicated. Like, oh, you don't want to do that because you have to go on a special diet. You can't have a glass of wine. And and they beat it down to where if I remember we used to have this list that they gave you at the hospital. Oh, yeah. And it unfolded like a wallet full of pictures. And you would go down the list and you're like, well, let's see. I could have a hamburger patty and oh, water. Water's not on the list. I can have that. But everything else was like, forget it. And and I remember being in high school and babysitting for this lady who was nursing her babies. And I thought it was great, whatever. But she would never buy band candy from me because you, quote unquote, couldn't have chocolate when you were breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So that just stuck in my brain. 
And then when I had my first baby, I'm like, I remember Mrs. Marable said, but I was like, I'm taking my chances. So I tried to make chocolate milk and it never bothered my babies. But don't you find, remember culturally, the, the Hispanic culture, the um, like India, families mm -hmm. from India, the grandma would show up with the big pot of the soup. Yes. And it, everybody's sweating in the room who's eating it. It's curry mm -hmm. and it's spicy. And those babies are just nursing, 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 nursing. Right. So it has to get whatever you're eating. Like think about, I told mom this the other day. I said, all right, let's say you go to a picnic because picnic food is naturally gassy. You're not about coleslaw, right. baked beans, all the carbs. So if you get gas, it's from bubbles being forced or being formed rather in your gut from these foods, right? From the fermentation right. digestion process. Do the bubbles get into your bloodstream to hit your breast? And then the bubbles are in the milk to the baby. Is it like pouring a beer and there's like all that foam at the top? Right. Is that how breast milk is going into the kid? Right. Because the bubbles would have to form in the baby's belly for them to have that gas. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, when they're gulping, they can have the gas. And that's always something that makes me roll my eyes. Everybody thinks the baby's always gassy. Right. Or they are it's just gassy, really gassy. But, and, and also if your baby is not sleeping or if your baby is just a fussy baby or whatever, moms always thinks it's, it, it's something they're eating. And sure. they're like, oh, I cut out broccoli and all I eat now is right. salad and, you know, fruit and it's still not working. And it's like, well, maybe it's not an issue with what you're eating. Right. It has to be a protein that gets into your bloodstream. So, and then you're looking at a food insensitive or sensitivity or an intolerance or an allergy, like dairy protein, mm -hmm. soy mm -hmm. protein. Mm -hmm. Every one, one mom I had that really had a lot of problem with celiac in their family. And one of her kids, when she consumed gluten and she didn't do it very often, but then her tummy would be messed up and the kid would puke. But when she didn't, the kid was fine and now both of her kids thank god they were breastfed because they both would have just i don't know what would have happened to them if they were bottle fed because their immune systems thank god made it through with breastfeeding but i think that's just such a, a sad thing that women are like relegated to some strict dietary practice i mean come on you can have a glass of wine mm -hmm. yeah. you don't want to really do five tequila shots but have a little glass of champagne everything in moderation mm -hmm. yeah. so the same thing with like caffeine you know you're, there's a large amount of caffeine generally that you could kind of consume. What is it? Kelly mom says around 500 milligrams a day. Yeah. I mean, that's like a venti with two extra shots. Yeah. Sorry. Hey. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think that's what it is. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, but it's just everything in moderation and quit blaming the breast milk on everything that the baby's fussy. Cause I remember my first, he was fussy for the first, what, six weeks and he was not. Okay. And a family member was like, it might be your milk. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, I'm feeding my baby like what Clinique is at the at the Belk's makeup store. It's very gentle. <laughs> it's hypoallergenic. And how dare you? And he, all right, so he farts. Well, all babies fart. I think it's okay. Oh, right. yeah. Well, and I just think it's so funny when moms ask, because moms ask, oh, what, what do I have to avoid? And I'm like, eat whatever you want. You know, mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. your baby has eczema or these are the signs of a food allergy, which... I don't really see a ton of yeah. like, you right. know, eat what you want and mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. And most of the times after the six weeks when they're out of their little fussy and we need to do a podcast about how like new babies are just fussy. Once they're out oh, of that, like, yeah. 
Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's fine, but your breast milk can bring up, take on the flavors of sure. the things that you eat. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. I went to some big national breastfeeding conference and, you know, I love looking at the poster hall and all that. And there is a group out of Texas that had done a study from WIC actually on children who have been exclusively breastfed for six months, added in foods, and then they studied them at two. And they found that the babies who had been fed with that model actually were more likely to consume higher amounts of fruits and vegetables when you laid out the food in front of them than the ones were who, you know, who weren't. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it gives them those subtle flavors of that. And I think mm -hmm. that's where they had done that study in India. Again, this is like one of those conference things you pick up mm -hmm. where they had weighed babies before and after breastfeeding for like days to assume whatever their daily intake was. And then they fed the moms large amounts of garlic. Mm-hmm. I've heard this. And then the yeah. babies actually consumed more milk because it probably, so I'm like, ooh, if you go to Carabas or somewhere sure. and it's really garlicky. <laughs> when the breast milk has like an Italian flair to it. Yes. Yeah. So, which is probably makes it more palatable to whatever your cultural dietary norm is. That the mm -hmm. baby just falls in line. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, absolutely. Not feeding them poison. Okay. Um, let's see. Stop breastfeeding if you are sick. That is something I see a lot on the La Leche League page. Um, should I stop breastfeeding? Um, and moms think that because the baby is in such close proximity that the baby will get sick um, because she's breathing on him or her. Well, actually the opposite is true. Keep breastfeeding when the baby is sick because you are giving the baby your antibodies yep. um, through the milk. And it's really cool how it's um, <clears throat> the... Um, if the baby is exposed to something, it goes from the saliva, the baby's saliva through the mom's areola. She makes the antibodies and then passes it back to the baby in the breast milk. And I just, that is my favorite thing about breastfeeding, that that is just magical to me. That is a true miracle in our lives. Yes, it's like you're a human pharmacy. Yep. Like it it yes. creates it even when you don't have the antibody. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. moms who have babies in daycare, um, I had a lactation. I went to a lactation training once, and they said that she would always tell moms, like, touch the things in the baby's yes. area so you're exposed to what the baby's exposed to so you can make those antibodies. Oh, cool. So cool. Yeah. I had a lady that said she was going two weeks prior, like, to make sure everything was okay with before she returned to work with daycare. And she made a point to do that because she wanted to expose herself to the baby's environment. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. therefore, it's like she was ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the, another cool story about that is, we had a patient who um, came to see came to see me, and she said that she and her husband, in the first month after the baby was born, they both had norovirus. Oh, oh gosh, that's horrible. Oh. Yes, I mean, imagine trying to stay hydrated just yourself, but also then to feed a baby. Yeah, and take mm -hmm. care of a newborn. Yes, while you're on the toilet and, Ugh. you know, over this, you know. That's horrible. <laughs> God up. bless her. But the baby never got it, and you know how transmittable that is. It's crazy, but I love that story, and I yeah. tell that to parents all the time, and their eyebrows go up because they, it's just so so miraculous. I love that story. Right. And even if the baby does get sick, usually it's a much milder, um, you know, version or milder yeah. course of the illness. But the truth of the matter is by the time mom is showing symptoms, 
baby's already been exposed. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense at all to stop breastfeeding. Like, because then, you know, your baby's already been exposed. You need to give the babies those an antibodies. And really interesting with COVID and all the controversy, like in March when, you know, in the hospital, do we separate babies? Yes. Do we, do you guys want to talk about um, that a little bit since you've yes. been working in the hospital during this time? So that was definitely for our role, a stressful time because we knew what the World Health Organization's recommendations were. And the CDC was kind of teetering a little bit. The AAP hadn't jumped on board yet. And so here we are knowing about the physiology of breast milk and this whole mm -hmm. internal mammary pathway and, and all of this. And just worrying about what was going to happen with moms. And I remember the very first one and they were separated. Mm -hmm. And my heart broke. And there was, yes. I heard of babies being separated from their mothers for two weeks. So I kept yes. going, what about postpartum depression and bonding and anxiety and all of the things are supposed to happen? Right. A baby going two weeks without human touch or warmth, except to have a diaper changed or, you know, something along those lines. Or That's... you had the quote, this cracked me up. A lot of hospitals were doing this. The quote unquote healthy caregiver like grandma or an auntie would come in and they would like put the mom in one room, mm -hmm. the baby was in another room, but that person was never tested. They could have been positive and asymptomatic mm -hmm. and they're like <laughs> sitting there passing germs left and right. Sure. It was crazy to me. Yeah. But I just, anyway, I'm glad that finally, I remember the day that the AAP finally jumped on board and it was sort of like, they were a little bit, well, okay. But we still want the, the parents counseled. It's sort of like, well, you still want to explain the risks of this. And to and then they would have to sign a form in most hospitals oh, that really? they wanted to remit it. They knew that what the risks were. Well, it's not like we were hanging the baby outside the window. And it was just, <laughs> it was with the mother. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a local physician who had a baby and she got sick with COVID and mm -hmm. she posted on Facebook. So it was public, but said that, you know, she quarantined herself as well as she could at home. Her husband took care of the baby. He brought the baby to her to nurse and she wore a mask and she washed her hands and she cleaned all the things. But other than that, she just distanced herself as much as she could because she was, I guess, having coughing fits. But just, you know, it's like if you had a cold or something, you're going to be smart about it. Mm -hmm. But that was just sad in lots of places. They, I, I read accounts of mothers, and y'all did too, babies being quote-unquote snatched from their arms. So we had this mm -hmm. discussion at work one day with some co-workers, and I said, you would have to snatch that baby out of my cold, dead hands. Oh, yeah, for 100%. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's no way. Yeah. I think we had a mom who put up a fuss and said, absolutely, yeah. Finally. I will not allow you to take my baby. I want my baby in the room and... And they had to do it. All right. The next myth is you aren't going to make enough milk if you have small breasts. So we do know that the amount of milk that you make is not linked to the size of your breast and your storage capacity, which I think is such a funny thing. You know, your storage capacity in your breasts. I think of a storage building a bunch, or a bunch of little apartments. Yeah. Do you have a large storage unit or a small storage unit? Right. Um, you know, because I've seen moms that have large breasts that, you know, struggle with milk supply and moms that have small breasts that, you know, pump eight ounces 
at a time. And so the amount of milk you make is not correlated by the size of your breasts. And yes, if you have smaller breasts, you can make enough milk for your babies. I exclusively breastfed two babies and I am the president of the itty bitty titty committee. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like, have you heard uh, actually, you know, what perpetuated this? What I think there's an Eminem song. Have you heard it? I don't know. So there's this Eminem song in the 90s. And he said, how you going breastfeed me, mom? You ain't got no tits. (laughs) That's the line. I'm like, did Eminem start this? He must have. I I want to call him and be like, she can breastfeed you. If she has breast tissue, you're going to be fine. That's right. Why are you calling out your mama on a rap song? Like of all things. What is it that Dr. What's his name? The University of Western Australia in Perth. The guy that does all the breastfeeding research. Oh yeah, I don't down there. Anyway, the research group. I'm like, who is that? Why am I having trouble with this? And they have some. I heard this at a conference too. They have like a machine, so I picture it like a phone booth. I have no idea if that's what it is. But a woman would stand in the the sound booth, I guess, without her shirt on, and they would shine a light, sort of like from her profile, and there would be a screen over here that I guess with her shadow. And she would get in it hourly. And then between that and ultrasound, they could calculate what her rate of breast production, breast milk production is hourly. Because you have a rate of production, you have like flow rate, like you've got all these specs that people just don't think about that are very individualized. Yeah. <laughs> so I told somebody one time, I said, you need to go. I would, there's several people, and I probably with you guys too, those those moms that you worked with and you're like, I'd love to know what her total, because it's huge, mm-hmm. what her total was to go go down there and get in the phone booth. And let's see how much milk you're making because you don't ever know because hello, everybody out there, listen to this. Pumping does not equate to your production. I had a mom last week who texted me and said, I was told to pump for 24 hours to see what my production is. Mm -hmm. And she knew that that was not correct. And I said, it is not correct. So I offered her an alternative, um, plan to present to her physician um, because of the issue she was dealing with. But it's so individualized and what you pump is what you pump. But yeah. the size of all this, don't you find yourself when you go in the hospital and you see somebody with smaller breasts, you're like, she's going to be fine. Yeah, you're going to be oh, yeah. like, it never even crosses my mind. No. But, but pregnant, pregnant um, moms do think that like, they'll be really concerned. They're like, I'm very small breasted. Am I going to make enough milk? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just because you don't have a lot of fat in your milk, that doesn't mean that you, I mean, it's your breast tissue, um, in your mammary glands. And so that doesn't always correlate to having large breasts. Like as long as you have normal anatomy, you're fine. You can make enough milk for your baby. Mm Because when you go on a diet, what disappears first? Your boobs. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. It is true. The but, structures are there. But unfortunately, when you gain like 20 pounds, it doesn't go straight. Like that's the first thing you lose, but it's not the first thing you gain, no. unfortunately. No. Because mm-hmm. I'd be down for that. Those <laughs> and those other fat stores, tummy, butt, <laughs> waist size. If they say when there's a famine now, you have something to burn <laughs> if you're starving. Well, I can starve myself. And trust me, it doesn't go away. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that, no. It might have worked back in Exodus with the Israelites, but I'm not thinking. No, that, that stuff holds on for dear yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a real famine. Sorry. Yeah, Six same. months, no food. Then we'll talk. <laughs> so yeah. the point is, 
big breasts, little breasts, doesn't matter your size. It doesn't affect how much milk you make. That's all good. All mm -hmm. right. So another myth we have on our little list is that breastfeeding is only good for one year. Oh, then it goes bad. Goes bad. Turns to Mountain soda. Dew. It does. Mountain Dew, I've heard. Mountain Dew. There's a local Lalaichi League leader. Can we send shout outs? Yeah, and why not? Sure. From Naomi. Oh, hey, that, Naomi. Um, I think that's what she was told at one point in time. And, you know, I can only imagine the eye rolls and the education, knowing Naomi that, Naomi, that she presented. But I think, you know, years ago, looking back 30 years ago, what breastfeeding was, was like, oh, it's this, are you nursing? Isn't that sweet? You know, like you'd sit around in your white long gown and you'd just nurse your baby like Madonna or whatever. Mother Mary, not Madonna. <laughs> like, they did breastfeed. With those not like like a virgin Madonna, like the, the real the virgin yeah. Madonna. Like the OG yeah. Madonna. Yes, the OG. <laughs> and it was this nice way to feed your baby. But how long are you going to do that? Oh, like it, it's come, it's time, honey. Come on. Mm -hmm. So then you would do like, okay, three months, because that's when you started solids. And then if you were working and you, you somehow made it work. And then after a year, people were like, you're still at it? And then everybody became closet nurses mm -hmm. right yeah. after that because of that age. And then you started to see the the one year, the exclusive for six months, which we're still battling with pediatricians giving cereal at four months or three right. months or two months, not in the bottle. Two months. Holy. It's crazy. They're doing it. They're still, I'm hearing this with, with intelligent people being told this by intelligent physicians. Oh my goodness. Are they still saying rice cereal? Yes. No. What in the world? No. It's like, ew. We so, have an obesity crisis. Give your baby rice cereal at two months. Who's that guy, Dr. Green, out at, is he out of Stanford that talked about the whiteout campaign to get rid of white, starchy, highly processed things from your baby's diet? And it has arsenic in it. Right. I knew one day rice was going to kill me. But anyway, I digress. So anyway, after a year, it doesn't, the benefits don't stop. Food before one is just for fun that we say. So babies are exploring colors, textures, tastes. They're developing their pincer grasp. You're doing baby lid weaning, which is an awesome way to, to start solids for your baby and not just shoveling it in. This is why, you know, most of us have Weight Watcher cards for life um, <laughs> because yeah. we were fed rice cereal, uh, raised my hand, but for a good reason. And um, vegetables were pureed and shoved in your face. Mm -hmm. And remember, they just have the baby um, desserts. Oh, do they still have those? Oh, I'm yes. yes. Oh. Blueberry buckle, <laughs> tropical delight. Why is it that I can remember these two things? It was like <laughs> one bite for you, two bites for me. There was a standing joke in our house when my sister was was, was a baby. But it, baby what? desserts, that's insane to me. <laughs> I, I can't my Cherry heart cannot even wrap around that. Cheesecake. Yes, they had all these flavors. And it was and it was like gooey, gummy, but it tasted so good. But I don't think we ate dessert like we do now dessert. It was like pound cake at grandma's or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. or a cobbler. But, oh, give me some blueberry buckle. Oh, Lord, I think I'm back to the store yeah. after this. <laughs> <laughs> the breast, breast milk, like Mary was talking about, the, the protection with the antibodies. Did you know that as babies start to wean down their, taper down their breastfeeding frequency over however long that is, that the antibody level actually increases. So it sends them out into the world with some degree of protection mm -hmm. that's higher. So the lower the amount the baby consumes, the more antibodies it is. So that's just one proof. Um, the other thing is that your protein, your fat, and your lactose content in your milk after a year stays the same as it is the first year. Mm -hmm. 
and you're still getting that nutritional value well into the second year. So it gives you what about a third of your protein needs are still being covered. So, I mean, how many babies have we seen that eight, nine, 10 months, they're like, okay with solids, but it's not their favorite thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of babies who have like sensory issues or developmental things around feeding and oral stuff. And they're working with OT. I know one, one little guy, he's been sustained for two years, almost exclusively on his mom's breast milk. Sure. Why and not? She was like, I just can't believe I have been able to do this. And she's had to like, literally she's had to. Right. And he's had reactions to some foods and, and, you know, when you're introducing things reasonably, like we know with family histories with protein allergy, with not protein, but peanut allergies. And those there's, there's methods that we go about that scientifically to maybe expose the baby to maybe a lick of it, but you're not feeding your baby large amounts of food early on. Mm -hmm to sort of spike that whole allergic thing. But yeah, I mean, you're meeting their nutritional needs, their emotional needs. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. It's yeah. so sad when we have moms call and they go, well, he's going to be a year old, like in a month and I need to start weaning. Mm -hmm. Right. Why? And then I say, well, how are things going? Fine. Do you well, want to wean? Yeah. And not then they really. go, well, not really, but you know, it's a year. And I said, well, a, you call me in January and I have a personal policy that I don't like to help you wean <laughs> during cold and flu season. Yeah. I'm just sort of morally opposed. I will tell you how to do it because professionally, ethically, that's what I'm supposed to do. But I also do have to do the disclaimer that for your baby's health and a lot of moms go, oh, I didn't think about that. Oh. Or they think if they don't wean it a year, they're going to be nursing forever, mm -hmm. which I know we have a topic on that coming up pretty soon um, in a moment. But why is that whole new that's all your baby's ever known is your breast mm -hmm. and one day you can't give them a cup and you walk away right right well do you ever find moms that are like relieved when you tell them like oh yeah you can nurse over mm -hmm. a year they're like oh, i'm not gonna be some kind of weirdo like no right, right. oh yeah like the worldwide weaning age is like 4.2 years old right you know yeah, what i mean yeah. but in our society moms are are shamed yeah they are um and like their breast milk just isn't good enough why aren't you giving the baby more solids because that's what is acceptable to people and people that don't support moms if a mom's um, goal is to breastfeed then support that and there's like you said uh food before one is just for fun, for fun yeah um there's i don't know i just think that messes with a, a mom's um, sense as a mother and also as a woman. Mm -hmm, for sure. When I think too, it, I mean, that the idea of weaning it a year is so pervasive. So I think mom's hearing that it's okay to nurse longer than a year is so important. Like I remember breastfeeding my first baby and my husband was out with a friend from high school and he had, they'd had kids like we both had got married right out of high school, but he had kids right away. So his baby was probably 18 or 19 months old by the time our daughter was born. And he came to the house and I'm nursing the baby on the couch. And he's like, oh, how long are you going to breastfeed for? And this is like a kid I went to high school with. So it was kind of like weird that he was like, asking me that, but he had a baby. And I'm like, I don't know, probably a year. He goes, you say that now, but it'll probably be longer than that. And I just had that in yeah. my head. Like, oh, you can. Like, here's this like 21 year old dude. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Oh, he's like. Oh yeah, you'll you think you're gonna breastfeed a year, but even you'll it'll probably be longer than that. And I was like, oh, that's a normal thing because his yeah. wife had breastfed their baby for that long. And so I thought that was so cool. Now I want to like track him down and be like, 
that was such a cool thing. Like you yes. put this idea in my head that like job. this was normal and you're like a peer and like anyway, it was cool. So well, I have this friend who is a nurse and she was nursing her daughter who at the time was around two. And I think they were doing the little nap time. I think people maybe think that after a year, you're constantly nursing the baby all the time during the day. Right, and it's right. not like it is with anymore. Mm -mm. No. But one evening she was rocking her and nursing her to bed. And she'd been getting a lot of flack from a lot of people about when is she going to wean? She's a big girl, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, when you're nursing your baby, you're rubbing your breasts or you're rubbing the baby or whatever. And she felt a lump under her arm. And do you know, it turned out to be breast cancer. And she was very public in her breast cancer diagnosis and journey that extended breastfeeding saved her life. Because it was her second baby. She'd had such a rough start getting started. The kid reverse cycled for forever. <laughs> oh. And she's like, oh, we're doing it until I tell you not to, you know, which is <laughs> when I was my second baby. But I had a physician recently that I saw who, she's a surgeon, and said she nursed her last one till he was four. Oh, her. And I was like, and the PA who was with her, her eyes got really big. And I said, that's amazing. She says, because they need you. Mm -hmm. They just need you. And I'm like, oh, too bad you're in a specialty where you don't see moms and babies all the time or rarely. Mm -hmm. But I just thought that was so cool. Right. But no, you made a good point too. A baby or baby, a kid, you know, a toddler, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, they're not nurse. They're nursing like twice a day, once yeah. a day sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to be sitting on the couch with it. They're busy too. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, they're on and off in five minutes. Like you're the Hardee's drive through at that point, yeah. right? You're home shop house in the beginning. You can't get them off and you can't get them yeah. out the door. And then but you become the on and off, except, you know, when they drift off to sleep and they pat you with their, yes. you know, because earlier in the day, they like clawed you to death and pulled your hair and played with your earrings. <laughs> and then they fiddle with the other side. Yes. Yes. yes they're like, fingers up your nose. their hand under the nipple and you're like, get no, it's overwhelming. <laughs> but you know, that's a whole thing we could talk about maybe one day is nursing your toddler because oh, yeah. that's an adventure. That's a whole nother, it is. that's a whole, that's a two hour podcast for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so breastfeed your baby every year, guys. It's okay. Definitely. If you want to. It's all yes. Good. And you should. Yeah. Okay. So my next one is going to be, um, and I hear this um, a lot, is, um, I thought I couldn't breastfeed because fill in the blank. And there's a bunch of them, so I'm just gonna go quickly through a bunch of them. So I thought I couldn't breastfeed because I've had an augmentation or a reduction. Well, in the hospital, I find if you've had an augmentation, um, I haven't seen a problem with that. Probably the worst thing is that when you're, when you get engorged, it's really tight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you run out of room. Yeah, you yeah. do. There's the implant takes up the space, and there's yeah, nowhere for yeah. It to go. So, and if that's the worst thing, you know, that's that's not so bad. But yeah, that's I haven't seen a problem with that. Um, usually with a reduction, it's fine. We kind of keep an eye on you in the hospital, but. Only a couple of times have I seen a problem. Um, of course, it depends on how long ago um, the surgery was, if the nipple was removed, <laughs> and a couple other factors. But um, um, yeah, that's, you know, if you want to breastfeed, you've had a reduction, let's give it a go. Well, Chances and, are it's going to be okay. We've had a mom locally who was breastfeeding and had a reduction that was pretty significant <clears throat> and really struggled with supply. And she used an SNS. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Then you get, you still get the bonding, the, sure. the experience and your baby gets what they need too. So sure. it's just fine. There yeah. are ways around that, but people don't know that yeah. unless they talk to, to one of us. And yeah, that's definitely manageable. 
Well, and I, I think too, one thing that hospitals and, and pediatric offices need to do a better job with that is, you know, we have moms in the hospital and they've had a breast reduction, but they do need closer follow-up than mm-hmm. your standard, yeah. you know, because we're trying to determine, you know, are you going to be able to have a full milk supply? What's that going to look like? Do you need an SNS? You know, we just need to monitor them a little bit more mm-hmm. closely. And I don't think we always do a good job at that. I mean, not our hospitals that we've worked at, but as a whole. Yeah. Um, so they send them out the door. They see, they have the first appointment, right. and then at two weeks, see so you in two it. weeks. But I'm like twice the week until your weight gain is established because you might have some milk supply early on. It doesn't mean that you may be able to max out where optimally we hope you should at that what thousand seven fifty to thousand a day milliliters. But there's when we track our moms with our preemies, you know, and they're pumping. A lot of times we're astonished. Mm-hmm. Wow, she had a reduction. Look at all the milk. Oh, yeah. So there's oh, that yeah. breastfeeding after reduction.org, I think, BFAR has a really good book mm-hmm. and some good resources for moms. Oh, yeah. cool. Um, meds and diet. Um, like meds, we talked about diet, but meds, if um, moms think because they're on certain medications that they can't, but ask someone. Um, a lactation consultant who who knows we all have an app on our phone that's from Texas Tech and it is awesome it is the it is updated it is uh, the most current research and we can tell you if it's okay and by the way you can breastfeed on most medications um, and also there's an app called Mommy Meds that is ninety nine cents so that if you have a question about it get that and if a doctor tells you to stop breastfeeding or pump and dump, because we rarely pump and dump. Um, If somebody tells you that, then look it up on your app and say, see, with all due respect, I don't have to. Well, even if there is a medication that's a higher risk, usually there's an alternative. So, you know, you might be on an antidepressant and there might be other options that, you Mm -hmm. know, are less bioavailable to the baby. And so that might be an option as well. Um, Because I think the the belief is that if you consume anything, medication, beverage, food, that it automatically lands in the milk at the same amount. And it's not. So it's filtered by various ways. And so there's a lot of this pharmacal kinetics involved that sometimes your pharmacist can be a really good resource because they know how the medication works. And we can get that information to them. But yeah, it's just kind of crazy that moms are being told something that the baby could be given and then she can't take it, supposedly, according to the ER doc. No. Right. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, something like morphine, people mm-hmm. think, oh, no, no. Or like well, Percocet for the, get their, their wisdom teeth out or right. tooth abscess. Mm-hmm. Like the dental stuff, I think, don't you think that's the most common like questions mm-hmm. or dental mm-hmm. I'm being put to sleep and now I can't breastfeed my baby for two days, they said. And I'm like, oh, hold yeah, on. But you had a crash C-section and general anesthesia because we helped you nurse like when you were waking up out of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and even mm-hmm. in the hospital, I mean, there sometimes I've had nurses ask like, oh, she's on this, this, and this. And it's like, and especially in the early days, the baby is getting those medications in subclinical amounts. Sure. Mm -hmm. So it's not, um, you know, we're not going to give you anything in the hospital really that's contraindicated to breastfeeding. I love that line Mm -hmm. in the infant risks. It says, um, extremely, you know, not likely to be clinically relevant in the amount uh-huh. that it is. It's well, sort of like, okay. why are you asking this question? It's sort of what the- This is not clinically relevant. Is. Time to it's move on. Move on. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, how about um, mastitis? Um, I've heard of doctors saying, don't 
nurse through mastitis. Um, and you should, and it's, it's fine for the baby. It's not going to hurt the baby. Plus, um, that is what's going to clear that out and you're going to treat it. Yeah. And you're going to be on an, um, an antibiotic and that is fine for breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, that's what you need is you need that milk moved to, to help clear that up. Um, another one that I think is really interesting is a lot of moms tell me that, well, you know, I don't expect to be successful or I can't breastfeed because my mom and sister tried it and they just didn't make enough milk. Well, that's not genetic. That is something your body prepares for during the pregnancy. It also has to do with milk removal. Um, so it's not a genetic thing. So if you feel like you want to breastfeed, go for it and we'll help you in the hospital and we'll see how it goes. There's a chance it's going to be 100% fine. So um, that's not an issue. Don't you find that those grandmothers and sometimes they're the ones that are trying to talk her out of it, but mm -hmm. they were mismanaged. Oh yeah, for sure. That information, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, if anybody breastfed, it was a miracle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because everybody just, oh, your milk is weak or whatever all that means. And they just, you know, there was even an episode on Little House on the Prairie where Doc Baker had Caroline give the, remember the little boy baby they had the guy, yeah. Charles Jr. or whatever? Well, he's going to have to be put on cow's milk mixed with whatever else because your milk is weak. And she says, well, I've never had trouble with the girls. Well, he's not growing well on it. Well, the kid had a, I don't know if he had CF or he had a congenital heart he just wasn't mm -hmm. growing. Mm -hmm. Well, wait, this was on Little House on the Prairie? Yes. I was horrified that this was a thing when I, we were watching Little House. What was it during COVID and all yeah. that? So we went back to find stuff for Allie to watch. And they were really blamed this lady's yes! breast milk on Little House Caroline Ingalls was blamed <laughs> that she wasn't letting Charles Jr. grow. And Doc Baker that I hung the moon on. Oh, man. Whatever. And she's like mother of the year, isn't she? I know. And it was, but the girls were just fine though. And he was packing up his bag, walking out the door as he's having this conversation with her. But yeah, it's just unfortunate that a lot of women are given bad information that I think is well-intended. I have to always say that, mm -hmm. um, but out of ignorance mm -hmm. for the lack of a better word, because we are mm -hmm. snarky. So yeah, there's just dumb things people say. <laughs> well, and truly like Starla said earlier, you know, maybe your mother or your grandmother, or, you know, depending on how old or young everyone is, your great grandmother, they might not have been successful breastfeeding, but you start always tells moms, you come from a long line of successful breastfeeders, which is true. We would not be here. Mm -hmm. Well, I, someone in your family breastfed well. If you yeah. go back and look at old pictures, I know you were doing this for a while, yeah. going back, you know, generations back and looking, if you look at my mother's side of the family, especially because there's lots of pictures of them that we just have. Those women had the biggest, saggiest boobs <laughs> ever in their flower sack dresses in Western Kentucky. Heck yeah. They, they were, my mom remembers going to sewing circles when she was little, like five and six years old, like a church thing. Mm -hmm. And there'd be little kids run up, lift their, whatever they did to get into all that dress, <laughs> nurse and leave. And she says it was normal there. Mm -hmm. And I go, really? She goes, oh, yes. And then one of my other relatives was 
touted the, you know, he breastfed until he was like four or five. And then, you know, his, his brothers would still make fun of him. He was in his seventies. <laughs> My mom never got you off the nip <laughs> or off the titty or the ninny or the whatever they called it back then. You're really still on the ninny. Yeah, like that titty. That. You know, <laughs> titty ninny. My next myth is, well, it's kind of true, but it also is kind of a myth at the same time. So that's that breastfeeding is easy. And so, yes, breastfeeding, I think, is easy, but it does not come easily all the time. Breastfeeding is a skill that has to be learned. So just like, um, you know, babies learning to walk, right? So as they're learning to walk, they're like cruising on the furniture, and then they take a few steps. And then next thing you know, they're like running through the house and you're, you know, you waited for this moment for so long and now you're like, oh, I miss when you could just stay still. <laughs> so I think breastfeeding is like that. Breastfeeding is natural. Breastfeeding is easy, but sometimes you know, it's a skill that you have to learn for it to become easy, like mm -hmm. everything else. So I think that throws moms off because, um, you know, they go in with this expectation of like, yeah, this is easy. You know, people have done this since the beginning of time, which they have. But then if they run into breastfeeding difficulties, they think that there's something wrong mm -hmm. because it's supposed to just come naturally. And it is a natural thing, but it doesn't always come naturally to mm -hmm. everyone. Um, and it's a skill that needs to be learned. And so I think that's really where we come in because it's not gonna be easy if you're being mismanaged, you know, in the hospital. It's not gonna be easy if you're having difficulties and you're not um, receiving the support that you need. Um, well, it's the start to parenting and we know parenting is not easy. And especially if it is your first one, there are lots of things you're going to teach your baby um, as they grow up. And this is one of the things that you are both learning together. Um, just being able to hold your baby in a position that's comfortable for both of you. You've never done this before. Your baby has never done this before. Just be kind to yourself and, and just understand that you know, it's a little bit of a learning curve and it's, it's okay. Um, someday they'll, you'll need to help them with the, uh, the multiplication tables if they still do that. And if, <laughs> do. you know, when the baby, baby says, the child says, you know, seven times eight is 55, you know, you're going to help them with that. You're going to have to, you're, you're going to learn, teach them how to, how to learn that and how to remember it. Just like at the very beginning, the very first thing that you're both learning together is breastfeeding. And it's like, remember the first time you gave your baby a bath at home? Oh yeah. Or you changed a diaper. Mm. It, it was all weird and you didn't have any muscle memory. You didn't know what to anticipate next. You didn't know how, like, you don't turn your baby on his stomach to walk, to change his diaper. if He's got poop. Right. So it's sort of like, that's how a lot of women, unfortunately, are start off on the wrong foot in the hospital. Because what are they done? They're swaddled and they shove the baby in the football hole and they want to know why their nipples are killing them and they've got a bad latch and the baby is fighting and crying. Right. And I think the baby so many times should be able to hold up a sign that says, I can't do it like this. <laughs> Move me over to the other side and lay me on my tummy like a puppy. Yeah. That it, it is heartbreaking to me that so many women struggle unnecessarily mm -hmm. from that standpoint. Of course. So if we if we cover the bases and make this easy and very basic and get rid of all the stuff, take the baby's clothes off, 
get them skin to skin, or if they got a sleeper, who cares? Put a sleeper on when you get home. Keep them skin to skin, but whatever. If you get rid of the boppy pillow and all the things that are propping the baby in the wrong angle, then your nipples will be better. And then I think you could learn to love it sooner. Oh, for sure. Um, and then, yeah. And I tell people though, I said, let me tell you, sometimes breastfeeding is as fun as doing laundry. You're like, oh my God, again, I just fed you. (laughs) You said, and the baby's like, yeah, so it's like a teenage boy. But think how accomplished you get after you've done this pile of laundry Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I feel very empowered. And I see this baby growing and you're like, you eat again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's just days that like being kind to yourself and just understanding that that is parenting and motherhood. And you just have to continue the journey and outlast the difficulty. Well, don't you find too, like I always, I mean, it it bothers me when moms quit before it gets easy. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because in the beginning you're doing, it's kind of thankless because you're just, you know, your baby's not smiling yet. You get cuddles, but it's a lot of poop and just nursing all the time and dealing with trying to adjust to like not getting sleep and just, it's just hard, you know, but then you know, there's a point in time where you turn a corner where all of a sudden it's like easy. So your workload in the beginning is like way up here. And then eventually like you're getting in the hang of it and it's easy. And, and so many moms, you know, they, they, they have a different expectation. And so they quit before they get to the point where it does get easy and it gets easier. And so for a lot of moms that I've worked with in the beginning where you just say, okay, like do this, this, and this, and that's going to take some stress off. And then over time, like I worked with a mom who really struggled in the beginning and I would visit her every week because, um, it, it, she, her husband worked with my daughter. So I would go every week and, and the baby was like six months old and she looked at me and she's like, all this she's like i don't know when but like this is just the easiest thing in the world like she it was so neat to kind of see her transition you know um not that it's gonna take six months to get easy i didn't mean that but um you know it does get easier it's not it's a skill that you need to learn so if it's not easy in the beginning that's okay seek out support but know that um it's something that's natural it doesn't always come naturally and so give yourself um space to accept that it's a learned skill and before you know it you gotta use your training wheels before you're like riding down the street so and one day they turn into a ninja and they just get on and then you move on about you're cooking your dinner or unloading your dishwasher or whatever you can do all your household tasks yeah but i think it's heartbreaking when moms struggle so long and then they're almost to that point and they're doing so great but somewhere there's some negative seeds that were planted or they just don't think they're doing well or a a weight appointment was just a little off by like two ounces and they just their biggest fear then they just Mm -hmm. know or that growth spurt that's first and then they just they cave Mm -hmm. and then there's no coming back because by the time they call you they're so far down that road, it is hard to get back. And by then they don't have any stamina left. Yeah. But it's it's sad to me to where then the and you know who those people are because you hear from them a lot, all of a sudden they drop off the map. Mm-hmm. And then, well, it didn't work out because. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sad when it's a lack of support. So this one, oh my gosh. Don't get me started. You <laughs> won't right. have enough milk in the early days, quote, before the milk comes in. Oh, man. 
isn't everybody all in a panic? You'll go in the hospital and you'll introduce, I'll say, hi, I'm Starla, you're a lactation consultant. Oh, look at your baby. You push mm -hmm. over them. And how are things going? Fine. When's my milk coming in? <laughs> like right. they want the baby circumcised and they want the milk to come in and then boom, boom, that's their list for you. And so, well, you do have stuff in there. And then, you know, cause there's that box that we click on with mom say, I don't have any mom oh. says no milk. <laughs> And I'll say, well, remember when you like were newly pregnant, your breasts started getting bigger and your nipples hurt and you slept in a sports bra. Yeah, that's what they were doing. They were prepping for all of this. Mm -hmm. And by 20 weeks, you're locked and loaded girl, ready to go for twins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they go, really? And then I go, did you leak? And they go, no. And I said, nobody leaks. There's three people that have ever leaked. And you always hear from those same three people. <laughs> I always said I never leaked. No, me neither. me neither. And I kept waiting, like, when's this stuff? And I see this on social media on moms in the breastfeeding groups, and they'll go, I'm lactating now because my baby's doing a week. I must be doing any time. Well, <laughs> no, it's just there was a hormone shift and then it like came out, but it doesn't mean that you mm -hmm. don't have it. But so what do moms of babies do when they have two of them? Right? Does one just starve? Right. While the no. other one eats? But I tell people, I said, you know, the baby's stomach, we go through this whole rigmarole. And I feel like at some point we beat it to death because I don't think people are buying it. We need to really come up with another angle. <laughs> is, you know, That's your resolution for 2020. It is. Starla. The whole stomach capacity isn't getting it with some people, mm -hmm. even when they have the visual belly ball and all this. And I say, if you took four chocolate chips and you put them in your hand, that's the size of your baby's tummy the first day. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to fill to capacity because I think their capacity versus what they eat are different things yeah. because we don't always stuff ourselves completely till we're barfing. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. So if there's a cake in a box. Unless it was this week. But. <laughs> right. But they think that the baby, if it eats and it eats again, soon that it wasn't it didn't get enough there's not uh -huh. enough there well right. then i explain well what happens if the baby fell asleep before he finished because it took the edge off but he wants to get back for round two see he's like the fat guy at the china buffet yeah. is he ever really done or on a cruise ship you ever on a cruise <laughs> no. you eat the whole time and yeah. then you go back what do you do you sleep in the cabin for a long time oh it's lunch let's go back and let's take naps in between but the women that are getting this message of well, you don't have any, you don't have much. It's just drops in there. But that Colossian, boy, it's liquid gold. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the 11th commandment in the Bible is thou shalt think thy breasts are dry. Yes. And that thy baby starveth oh. for three days <laughs> till the milk cometh in it. I just don't understand why that is just so, and I'll tell mom, I said, of course you're worried about it because being a good mom means you're going to cover all your bases. Was my baby breathing and is he eating? Right. And then there's what's colors the poop because they obsess about the poop. Right. Later. But I think that's just, there's so much that's available. That liquid gold, it preps the, belly, the baby's belly. Right. All mammals make colostrum. So if there is a dairy cow that has a calf and that dairy cow now, or she's really a dairy cow, whatever, however, they, I'll have to ask my friend who's grew up on a cow ranch. But the cows make colostrum. So if the calf goes up to the mother and drinks colostrum, life is good. And then her milk changes over and whatever happens, happens. I don't claim to be a dairy cow fan. I mean, um, expert. But then but the baby goes to, the baby calf goes to another mother before he's had colostrum. The baby will die. Mm -hmm. The calf will die without colostrum because her belly needs milk. Now, does it's that It's never digested humans? anything ever in its life. Right. Like it needs colostrum. Right. It has to right. have it to prep the belly for the milk. 
So like anything, you do some preparation and the baby's belly has to clean out that icky meconium and some of those cells have to stick to the inside of their mouth and then it's lining the intestinal tract and sealing it off and it's getting it ready. So why wouldn't that be, if God wanted you to have milk in your breast, he'd have put milk there. So we start to right. say, oh, it is milk. It's that early milk. Mm -hmm. It's that stuff. <laughs> and they act like there's like two drops of it and then that's that right. but it's very much what your baby needs and then when your body says yeah i think he's good let's bring it on it doesn't disappear i don't care what the night nurse says ladies but right. it doesn't like go go to dust in the night mm -hmm. and then your baby's got to stay hungry till the 72 hour mark i'm hearing this from moms who deliver in hospitals yeah by reasonably intelligent, experienced nurses. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Mm -hmm. And that's why our breastfeeding rates are low. Our initiation rates are high, mm -hmm. but our exclusivity rates are low in most places. And it's mm -hmm. because of a lack of support. Yeah. Well, and we yeah. do a crappy job of teaching moms and sometimes staff how to hand express. So you'll go in and they'll yeah. be like, I have no colostrum. And they'll like say, see, and they squeeze their breast one time. Right. And when you teach them how to actually do it, because how many times, I mean, I used to spoon feed babies all the time. You can get milk out of a turnip. Like literally rivers of colostrum. They'd be like, oh, I can only get one drop. But like, you have to have a technique, you know, mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, it's not a one squeeze deal. It's, it's not. You, know, you got to keep going. It's you got to do. <laughs> you know what they do? This hit me a couple weeks ago. What? When you say, has anybody shown you, have you hand expressed any? Has anyone shown you this? And they're like, no. Or I, I looked and there's nothing there. Okay. They either grab the back of their boob mm -hmm. and like really hard and then they squeeze or they do the other thing. There's one of two things. Everybody does it. They grab the end of their nipple and they pull it. <gasps> yeah. Oh, there's no in between <laughs> or they slide their thumbs and towards yeah. their nipple and they're leaving these red bruisey streaks on their breasts. Oh. And I'll go, you know, there's a trick to it. And they'll be like, what? there is. And they look mm. at you like you're a witch doctor. And I'll say, take your hands and make them like a C. Now don't put a death grip on it, but make a soft C. And then I will put my hand over theirs and put your thumb here and put this and I'll push back. And I and you pray that it comes out the oh, first time. Lordy. I know you're like, come on. But sometimes you have to work it because I said, if your ducts are like, if you have three ducts over here and one duct and another duct and your fingers aren't near those, you're not going to get any out. And they go, really? And then it makes us nuts when the next day or whenever you talk to staff and they're like, I, she doesn't have any colostrum or, or, or she's producing. I know. Oh like there's gosh. a question that she might. It's like God said, you get milk, you get milk, but not you. Yeah. You the know? lady in 307, no milk for you. Yeah. It's right. like, did she not have a placenta with her baby too? The placenta comes with it. The colostrum comes with it. It's all pieces of the puzzle. No. Yeah. It's not hard. So anyway, they need to have this colostrum and it's a big deal. And the baby has lots. Now, it is easy to say this, but when you have a kid mm -hmm. who stays attached to you for three days, or she's screaming, it's another story. But it's how it it's just is, you just have to understand that there's babies who have needs mm -hmm. and they just need to nurse often and suckling makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. I want right. to grow up to be smokers later. <laughs> or something yeah. they, or they're overeaters or whatever or like that gum chewers. yeah their gum chewers are very like chew on the pencils yeah but, but i i just think that's sad when moms think that they have this beautiful baby and then the second night when they just crank up and they're up all night from 11 o'clock at night until five in the morning. They're up almost constantly crying, fussy, latch on, latch off, go to sleep, scream. I want to eat some more. 
and it's the cluster feeding starts mm -hmm. and then they go, but he won't wake up to feed. We had that conversation mm -hmm. and then now he won't stop eating and mm -hmm. I'll say, but there will be an end to it and it's not running out. Right. So let's lay you back. Let's get you comfortable. Can I get you some water? Um, I think sometimes they want a margarita, but mm -hmm. anyway, can mm -hmm. we just dim the lights a little and let you have some rest? Because when you're doing this for hours on end, sitting up straight, holding your breast with one hand, the baby with the other, and the boppy and leaning forward is not the way to do it because you are exhausted. You're exhausted because that way we have you sitting. Right. Well, yeah. and I think too, I had a mom ask me just last week, like, well, if I, cause I'm like, okay, you nurse on one breast and then go back. Like the, there's always milk there. And like, I feel like people don't understand that, but I said, you know, when you have a cold, you know, when your nose just keeps <laughs> running, like, no mat, like it's kind of like that, you know what yeah. I mean? But moms always complain the first week, I don't have any milk. And then they call you the second week and say, I have too much milk. Uh -huh. <laughs> like yeah. you just can't. And you know, they always think it's on the fifth day. Well, and you, cause you hear it about their other thing. Well, tell me how breastfeeding went last night. Oh my God. My milk didn't come in for five days. Well, what happened? Well, on the fifth day, finally, they swelled up. And I, I'll pull up that Stanford maximizing milk production video mm -hmm. screenshot mm -hmm. of the slide that shows the bar graph. And I'll say, you see what your milk does on like the fifth day? It triples overnight how much you make. There's a surge in your supply that is huge. It's like the tsunami is coming. Mm -hmm. And then you're halfway to your production because by two weeks or 15 days, I want to know what they did after that because they quit, they quit collecting data. But there's lots of milk that's there. Mm -hmm. And you're making, and I use a little water pitcher that we have, you know, a little cup. Yeah. And I'll say, do you know that this is how much you're making when your baby's five days old? But his tummy the first day drinks a medicine cup full total. Mm -hmm. The second day, it doubles. By day four, he's drinking at a time what he drank all day the day he was born. Right. And then when you want to know why he's eating all the time and he's more vocal about it, and I think he's also trying to make his peace with his new feeding devices. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because he wants the placenta and the cord back. Yeah. He's trying to get used to the world. It's it's hell out here. You know, wouldn't you cry too? I know it's goes, like cold. You're is getting this your what I have, and I have to suck and I get stuff out finally. And then when I stop sucking, it doesn't come and I have to keep sucking and sucking. And then I get waterboarded all of a sudden the next day <laughs> and there's milk flowing everywhere and you shoot me in the eye. And the baby, I think, has to make their peace because, and I tell moms, one day it's going to become the magic boob. Yes. And look at me and I go, then it fixes everything. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't know that yet. But you let him stay long enough, it will become the magic boob. Yep. Mm -hmm. God, I wish I could get the magic boob back. <laughs> My boob lost when you magic a long time ago. Well, uh, I stopped using the phrase, your milk comes in. Yeah. Because yeah. it makes it sound like a solitary event. Like, there was like the milk, milk truck before. shows up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So I, I, I say it transitions, you know, yes. it just changes. The amount changes, the, you know, the consistency and the, you know, all. And then the baby's tummy growing in in conjunction with that. So I, I hope that puts that in a parent's mind that this is not a, you know, colostrum and then it stops and then, you know, transitional and then it stops and then, you know, and then mature milk. It's just... It's an ongoing thing. It's like, an ongoing adventure. If they could just get a text that says, your Amazon delivery is five steps away. Hey, hey. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Can you track your milk coming in, your mature milk <laughs> coming in? <laughs> it's, on, it's out for delivery. <laughs> you know that mom you struggle with for two days and finally the third day you walk in and you're like, boy, I think the milk fairy came last night. And they go, you think? 
And I'll go, this is your payoff. This is why the last two days was so intense because now everything is happening. And I'll go, it's happening sooner than I would have thought. Oh yeah. Do you ever like go home and pray and be like, dear God, please let her mature milk come tonight. Please, no, I please let her it. mature milk come. I have nothing left for her. <laughs> How many times you sit outside the door and you're like, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. I've said all the things. I've helped all the things. If that latch doesn't get better and that milk doesn't come in, I am toast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go in and you go, so how are things? And all of a sudden they're smiling and oh, you're thinking, yeah. oh, like what happened? You're looking around, you're hoping there's not like a bottle anywhere. <laughs> and then, no, like I figured out that if I roll my elbow this way and I shift over here, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how? <laughs> we did all of that. But she and the baby are those Legos that started to work together. Yes. And she and dad started to make adjustments. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the thing that drives me the craziest. And I don't know why. You'll, you'll hear it. You'll see when I say it. But um, a lot of moms, um, when the baby is at the breast and takes a little nap, as we know that they do, and then they wake up and they want to go back and feed some more, he's using me as a pacifier. Oh, yeah. First of all, I hate pacifiers. And yeah. second of all, did you know a pacifier was modeled after a mom? A pacifier is meant to take the place of a mom. You had long nipples. Really long and hard nipples. (laughs) Really rigid (laughs) nipples. Gee, some of those. Oh, my goodness. So what is a normal behavior? Of course, a baby's going to want to snuggle up to that and fall asleep and then have another snack of that nice warm milk that tastes so nice and sweet. Of course. But you're not a pacifier. (laughs) Right. Like they're getting... I mean, we should switch it to... Oh, your baby's using a pacifier and as a breast. Like right. that makes more sense. He's hungry. That's it. He's burning yes. energy with no calories. No wonder mm. your baby is hangry. Mm. Or um, he's just nursing for comfort. Well, don't oh. you want to comfort your baby? Do of you not ever have comfort food? Right. Don't you know what mac and cheese is? That's right. That's what he wants is the nice, soft, warm booby with the milk in it. Right. Like, so what? The placenta has <laughs> been the baby. for nine months. Yeah. Where do you get a load of those? And and I'll say, well, is his jaw moving? Well, he's, you know, he, if he's, you know, if he's, you know, at the breast and he's just using me as a pacifier, is his jaw moving? Yes, it is. Milk's coming out. Right. Is he sucking and swallowing? Right. Then he's not. He's getting sustenance. It's like what is a gas can or that when you put the gas in your car and you got to take the cap off. If there's no cap. Right. They just suck and it comes. Yeah. And I think to myself, the breasts don't know that he's he just wants comfort or some <laughs> such thing. And they just <laughs> shut off the milk, the milk flow right then. Right they're just letting him suck and no milk. None for you. Like the soup, Nazi. No soup for you. No soup for you. (laughs) Yeah, but some babies nurse, like some babies nurse, you know, right? They they are, you know, more regimented because that's what their normal routine is biologically. And, you know, like my youngest, she nursed every hour and a half to three hours and she never nursed to sleep. My oldest child nursed because the sky was blue. (laughs) You know what I mean? All that is normal and it's fine. Your baby is not taking advantage of you or being greedy 
or right. you know what I mean? They like don't know. Me. They have no, no concept of that whatsoever. Right. No, no, no. They get they have those types of thoughts. Um, and I, I did have a mom say to me one time, my baby is really needy. And I oh, said, sorry. Yes, she is. <laughs> You're like, it's a baby. It's a baby. Like, like yeah. duh. <laughs> oh, I just, I had to say it. Yes, she is. Absolutely. She needs you. Yeah. Yeah. They're needy like forever. Like your <laughs> kids are going to be neat. Like they're just needy. It's, it's been just, inside of you for nine months. Right. What do you think he's been doing in there? Right. It's they like need the life you. out of you. No, it's coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They just they do. It's all going to be that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's just the life of a baby. And yeah, in the beginning it is hard because they are adjusting and they're crying and, um, you know, that's, they just need you. And that's what that is all about. But have you had people say to you like, Oh, if you breastfeed your baby, they're going to be like clingy. Like they're not going to be independent. They'll never take a bottle. So you got to start off early. It's like, you got to start cutting off the ties, mm -hmm. yeah. putting them on restriction. Right. Well, yeah. And I've, and, and I've also heard my baby needs to be independent. Well, good luck with that because right. babies aren't independent. And when they do start to be independent with the crawling and all that stuff, you're going to wish they were your little baby again. Yeah, <laughs> because you anymore. that is a developmental part of life. They are going to do that, but it's not right now. Right. And then it's like, you know, that stage they get to where they're nursing and then all of a sudden a minute and a half later, somebody walks in and then they pull off and they look. Yes. So they take your nipple with them. Yes. Yeah, nipplash. Or... And you're like, just settle down. And they're like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> they're, like, more, but they're like, I got ADD. I'm looking around. And then there's other babies that have like narcolepsy. They like right. conk right out. But that's that's part of that whole, it's like the breast is their world as far as they can see it. But then mm -hmm. as they start to venture out, they still want to come back to it, but mm -hmm. at less frequency. Mm -hmm. And yeah. even if you're breastfeeding, even if you wean at four, that doesn't mean your kid is going to be clingy to you. Your teenager still will probably not talk to you, even if you breastfed <laughs> right. him or her until she was four years old. Like it's a normal, like, you know, but people do get worried about that. But yeah, I'll let them have a bottle or a pacifier until God knows how old they are when their teeth are rotting out. Right. Possibly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they want them off the breast, but let's put them on that bottle so you can take that away. Right. Well, and be more independent. Well, you know, what's so funny. My dad was not, um, breastfed he was bottle fed you know he's a kid of the he was a kid of the um 60s but he said to me once yeah i don't know but he, he was having some issue with something he's like i think it's because they took the bottle from me when i was like 10 months old and i like, <laughs> I like yeah, hey, are you okay dad was dr spock they put yeah. us in the room and shut the door and they put us on a schedule and ever since then i've been just like i gotta eat now because i won't be able to later yes <laughs> Anyway, I thought that was funny. He's like, they took the bottle from me and I probably still needed it till I was a year old. <laughs> well, and then now you wonder like these, these Facebook ads for these like gadgets and like the, the thing that you put the baby in and then now it has a, the iPad screen so you can talk to your baby while he's Velcroed and strapped into this device. Wait, what? Whoa. Yes. It, it's like this little thing the baby lays on and moves around, you know, and it's Velcroed and they're laying there and then it has like a little iPad holder. 
and you know, hi, baby, how are you? And what does it come with a hamster feeder? Like, and it's funny because you can see people like, oh, I want one of those. And then you see some old lady go, for God's sakes, pick up your baby. <laughs> like, just talk to its face. Yes. <laughs> or it's like that cartoon that the baby's standing in the crib wailing and the dad comes in and goes, no, not you, the one with the boobs. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't mean to be old fashioned, but do we need all that? It's ridiculous. Yeah, so I'm like, your baby is fine on your, you know, your boob. And yeah, just let don't it even need be a that. human. I don't right. Know. They, they want to automate everything. So we did a lot of venting today. I feel like, whoa. Whoa. Yeah. We haven't been together in a while and we haven't <laughs> talked about all of this clearly. So the point is, um, there are lots of misconceptions yes. about breastfeeding. And so we always encourage moms, do your research, talk to other people and seek support if you have a question or yeah. you're struggling or you need help. So, and as far as doing your research, um, be careful what you Google because oh, Dr. Well, Google will put you back in the fifties. Um, we recommend Kelly Mom because it is an evidence-based website. I love Kelly Mom so too. much. I know. Um, I look at I look things up on there. I tell and the Lanche League has a really great site with great yeah. information. Well, true. Yes. I'm like, I dare you to have a question that you can't find on Kelly Mom or on the Lanche League's Facebook page. Mm -hmm. But yeah, beware of like these baby training websites. God forbid that's going to screw breastfeeding up. Or having like just Googling with meds or like baby or, center for us. Oh, God, no. And then and get involved with the local, like, especially if it's a social media Facebook group, because now they're doing all these virtual meetings. Mm -hmm. So you can actually bring your questions to the table, get support from other moms and realize you're not alone and go, oh, my gosh, like that's what four month old babies do. So if you know that ahead of time, at least you know what to expect. For sure. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. So we're going to try to stay on like an every two week schedule. So we're going to try to record on Sundays and then post on Tuesdays. So um, in the new year, it's our resolution yes. to like mm -hmm. just be, um, as I would like to say, get my life together. So um, anyway, you can send us your feedback or anything you'd like us to cover, or just drop us a line. Tell us that we're great, please. Our egos need it. Yeah. Um, you can email us at thesnarkyboobqueens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at thesnarkyboobqueens, and you can follow us on Instagram at thesnarkyboobqueens. All right, everybody, and until next time, when, when in doubt, doubt, whip it out. It out. <laughs>